Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here at Frisco East. couple things before I dive into the message cited about today. Um, number one, as you saw on the, on the, on the video uh, parenting class that starts October 5th, Tuesday, it's just a month long, it's for parenting teenagers. If you parent a teenager, you need help, okay? You do, and we want to help you. Dr. Tim Elmore, he is renowned, I mean, on the next generation, uh, is going to be teaching that first week. I'm going to be teaching in the, in the, in the classes, so um, as far as, I think, one week. But it, it, we're just trying to do this to help you. And in fact, when we talk about the next generation, I mean, we've got a parenting class right now at the West Campus, the Domans, my dear friends, teach that. Um, we've got student region for teenagers. Um, we we want to help you with the next generation. So we're passionate about that. So if you have teenagers, you want to sign up for that, would be, I, I think it will be very helpful for you. The, the second thing is, five years ago this season, we started Regeneration. And it's a ministry for recovery. It's a ministry for those who uh, it just feels like, man, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And I've tried everything else. I can't seem to make this work. Maybe it's an addiction thing. Maybe it's just, I don't know enough. It's a great discipleship tool and ministry. But tomorrow night, we're celebrating five years, 630. If you have been a part of Regen as a student, uh, gone through the ministry or as a volunteer, I want to invite you to come back and celebrate with us. Uh, right here at the Frisco East Campus, 6.30 tomorrow night. We'll have a great time. All right, we're in a series called Yearbook. And in this series, if you're just now joining us for some reason, we are talking about the exodus from Egypt of the children of Israel in the Old Testament out of Egypt into the Promised Land. Over the last few weeks, here's where we've been. Week one, I talked about least likely to succeed, keeping with the yearbook theme uh, talked about Moses and the challenges in his life. We face those same challenges, insecurity, inferiority, I'm not worthy, God use somebody else, ask somebody else. We talked about that week one. Last week, talked about field trip gone bad. We talked about the Israelites and the challenges they face and how difficult it can be to navigate challenges, to navigate battles, to understand that. We're, we're, we're not looking back at them to criticize them. We're not looking back necessarily to make fun of them. We're looking back to say, how can we learn from their mistakes? Today, I want to talk about making the cut. If you uh, in high school or maybe in middle school uh, remember uh, trying out for band or trying out for cheerleader or trying out for football or baseball or basketball or academics or theater or something in the academics world, uh, which was not my world, but you tried out for something, and many of us made it. Many of us were like, hey, I, got, I made the varsity, or I made, you know, whatever, and many of us got cut. Remember that feeling of, of being cut, of being like, oh, man, I, I wasn't, I didn't make it. I didn't make it, and it's like, oh, I'm, like, I'm going to try again. Some of us were like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to try again. Some of us were like, forget that. I don't need that anyway, and then you moved on, right? Well, today, we're going to talk about a group of people it's a terrible story, by the way. Terrible story. We're a group of people who missed the cut with God. And it wasn't because of their ability. It wasn't because of their talent level. It wasn't up to par. It was because of two things. Their perspective and their attitude. And because of those two things, 
they got cut from the team. And when we talk about perspective and attitude, let me kind of tell you, it's a basic definition for me. But here's what perspective and attitude means to me, how we see the world, perspective, and our response to it, attitude. How we see what we're going through, how we see the world, how we look at things, how we perceive things, and then our response to that is our attitude. And we talked about attitude last week, but it is going to be a constant theme with them. And this perspective and attitude is going to be the reason why some of the children of Israel would miss the cut with God. And how we don't look back at them and go, man, how we look back at them and hopefully we learn. Because we're going to see our story over their story. We're going to see our challenges, same as their challenges. We're going to see our attitudes, and some of those are very similar. And today I'm going to say some things, and I just want to say this from the outset. I'm going to say some things. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm not really, I really, I promise you, I'm not trying to receive emails. Uh, I'm not trying to be political. I'm not trying to do any of those things. But I do think there are some things that we learn from them that I think we need to deal with in a real way because it matters how we see the world and it matters our attitude, our response to it. And the high price of missing the cut that we're going to look at in this story is the same for us. I want to start with Numbers chapter 13. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of lay out the foundational story. Then I'm going to give you a couple of observations. Then we're going to look at the end of the story. And with that second observation, I got two today, and, and see what we can learn. Again, I want you to open your hearts, and, and I've prayed that, that I wouldn't say anything that would be, you know, so distracting to us that it gets us off the, the, the theme of the message, but I do want to tackle some things that I think are important. So stay with me. Remember, I love you. Numbers chapter 13. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan. Okay, let me stop here. This seems like, so now we're in numbers. Notice that. We're in numbers. So you have Genesis, Exodus. Okay, Genesis is the story, the creation, the patriarchs of the faith. Then you have Exodus, which is the story of Moses and the calling of Moses, and then the, the children of Israel being taken out of Egypt into the edge of the promised land through, through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the Pentateuch, called the Pentateuch, the, the book of the law. Now, it seems that we have skipped law, uh, Leviticus, right? We've just gone, oh, we're skipping Leviticus. And it seems like we're 10 years, five years into this. Even though we skip Leviticus in the sense of story, Leviticus is filled with the details of the law. How do we worship? How do we treat people? How should we live? Okay, that's Leviticus. And it goes to, I mean, details. Numbers kind of does the same thing, but we get to some story. And when we come to this story in chapter 13, we're still at the beginning of their journey, okay? We're not like years into it. We're at the very beginning of this, of this story of the children of Israel being led out of Egypt. So I wanted to clarify that so that we have context, so we're not like in, we're in numbers and it's like, oh man, how far is it? No, we're still at the beginning. This is how important this is to understand. They're at the beginning of this and they're going to miss some things that are so important. Here we go again. Let me, let me reread. The, the Lord said to Moses, now send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. So this was the promised land. They're at the edge of this. Hey, go send out 
some spies, some, some people to look at the land, and, and then let's, let's see what happens. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. Now let's skip to verse 17. I'm going to skip some things, but, but just for the sake of time. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out where, uh, what, whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do you do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. Next, next verse. We're going to skip to verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusite, uh, Jebusites, and Am Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live uh, along the coast uh, uh, of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people. So let me, let me stop here just for a second. So there are 12 tribe, tribal leaders that went out to spy the land. Ten of them came back and said, Great land, unbelievable, no way we can take it. Two spies come back, we're going to read about one, but there's really two, Caleb and Joshua. Joshua would be the next leader after Moses. So Joshua and Caleb, who are of different tribes, different families, so there's no indication that we know that they knew each other and they were like best friends and, and so they would, you know, conspire together to, to tell a great story, but there were two that told a, a good story of of, of how we can take the land, and then two, 10 that would say, no, we can't take it. So here's what Caleb said. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they used the national media and spread the, oh, I'm sorry, they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, we're going to look at this high price of a wrong perspective and a wrong attitude. And they're going to miss the cut unnecessarily. Now, how will we see ourselves in this story? And again, I know I say this a lot, but it's easy for us to criticize them, to look at their lives and go, man, and, and there's good reason to. 
But, but do you understand that if we wrote a story about your life and, and we went back to look at it in two or three or 4,000 years, it'd be like, wow, they were dumb. Same about us, same as them. So we're going to see our story. What do we see? I have two observations. The first is this. Is our life perspective, the way we see the world, an attitude based in fear or faith? Is the way in which we see the world and our response to it, is it based out of fear or is it based out of faith? So the children of Israel came back, the ten spies did, and said, there's no way. There's no way we can take it. Uh, you know, kind of a fearful thing. There's, they're, they're huge. They're huge. There's no, now, again, listen, they've seen all the miracles of God. They have seen uh, the, 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 the mighty men, that, the, the, the enemy that attacked them, the Amalekites. And when Moses had his hands up, they won. When Moses had his hands down, they lost. So it wasn't about their military might. It wasn't about their ability. It was about God. And they have seen, they have seen firsthand the manna from heaven, the quails, the water out of the rock. They have seen all of this, right? But they see the land and they see the giants. They see the fortified cities and they're going, there's no way that we can take the land except for two. And let me just say, fear is always easier than faith. Fear is going to be the norm. Faith is going to be the abnormal thing in our lives most of the time. It is not of the 12 disciples that we know were on the boat, only one got out and walked on the water. Faith is way more difficult, way more challenging to navigate than fear because fear, the whole crowd responds to fear. Sometimes the whole country can respond in fear. It's not as easy to respond in faith. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus in John chapter 13. He's getting ready to be arrested. Chapter 13, he washes the disciples' feet. He is betrayed by Judas, or getting ready to be. And he tells Peter, you're going to deny me to my face. Okay? Not a great meal, right? I mean, challenging meal. This is my body. This is my blood. I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to lay my life down. They're coming to arrest me and get ready. Chapter 14, here's what he says to them after all of this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. After, after Judas is going to betray me, hey, go do what you need to do, Peter. When I'm arrested, you're going to deny that you even know me. This is not going to be good. In other passages, Jesus warns them before he's arrested, hey, they're going to hate you like they hated me. They're going to persecute you like they persecuted me. Some of you are going to go to death because of this. You're going to be led to death. And it is not going to be easy. In this life, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Right? How many hate that? I hate it when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I've got good news and bad news. What you want first? I'm like, I don't want any news. If it's going to be like that, it doesn't usually equal up. Jesus says, I've got bad news and I've got bad news. <laughs> but the good news is you're going to overcome the world like I did. So be of good cheer. In other words, 
don't let your hearts be troubled. How do we see the world and how do we respond to it? Romans chapter 8, Paul says it this way. And we know that God causes, what does that say? Can you not read? Let's read it, let's read it together. And we know that God causes, say that with me, the election, the election, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go on there. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. In other words, in other words, I'm in control. I- I'm in control. You don't have to fear. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't don't, don't let fear overtake you. Be of good cheer. Don't be troubled. I'm with you. I'm in control. And even though bad things happen, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I am going to be crucified. I'm going to die. Be of good cheer. Guys, what I'm trying to say is a a people of faith in Christ, of, of, of all the people on the planet who should be at peace in the middle of trial, in the middle of challenge, in the middle of persecution, in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of whatever, of all the people on the planet who should be at peace more than us? Who should be a people of faith more than us. That when people look at us, they see peace. They see love. They see joy. Now let me remind you, going back to the Old Testament story. Okay, so stay with me. When Abraham, in Genesis, God came to Abraham in the, in the land of Ur, probably modern day Saudi Arabia, and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. The sands of the sea, the stars in the sky, can't even number them. I'm going to make you a great nation, and through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Let me say it like this. When they see you, when they see how blessed you are, when they see you, they're going to want me. That was That was the children of Israel's plan. That was God's plan for them. Let me ask you some questions about real life stuff that I think it's good for us to answer. Not trying to make you mad. Stay with me. What has been our perspective and attitude? What has been our way of looking at something, looking at the world, and our response to that facing COVID the last year and a half? Fear or faith? Now, what I mean by fear of faith, I don't mean this. So, again, we could jump to conclusions and, and, and think that I'm saying something that I'm not. It is, just, just because you don't wear a mask or don't get the vaccine doesn't mean you're full of faith. Just like if you wear a mask and you take the vaccine doesn't mean you're full of fear. I think that as Christians, I want you to stay with me, please hear me. 
I understand these things are very important. These are real life things that we have opinions about, that we have concerns about, and rightly so. We are not sticking our head in the sand and just saying, oh, it doesn't matter, we trust God. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But I, what I'm not saying is through this is that because you don't wear a mask, you're full of faith, or because you do wear a mask, you're full of fear. I understand that you could be full of faith and that you could be full of fear. But in a general way, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about masks or no masks, vaccine or no vaccine. I'm just talking about our perspective and our attitude over the last year and a half or two. And here's my take on the body of Christ. And I understand that it's my opinion. I understand that I'm not always right. So I I understand that. But in my humble opinion, I think the body of Christ, the church, has gotten sidetracked with sideways energy on things that really don't matter. And we we have forfeited our mission for things that divide rather than things that unite. And when I say unite, I'm not talking about uniting the country. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Because like the children of Israel, when they see you, they're going to want me. Same with the body of Christ is the way that it should be. When the world sees us, they should want him. But many times, you know what they see? They see us fighting one another. Does this make sense? They see us fighting one another and, and, and I mean, just causing all kinds of chaos on social media and, uh, you know, polarizing people. And it should not be, and I know you're sick of hearing it, but until we change, I'm going to keep telling you. Does it make sense? Because I'm not responsible for any of the church. I totally get that. And other churches can do whatever they want to. But hope, let's be a people of faith. Not weird. I'm not talking about weirdos. If I get one prophetic email coming at me, I'm going to throw up. Okay, so quit sending me those things. None of them come true. None of them. And that doesn't mean I don't, I'm not making fun of prophecy. I doesn't mean I don't believe in prophecy. I'm just saying that none of them are, I mean, they're all like, arr, arr, arr. some of us have our heads so far in the internet and not in the word that you're living in another world. And I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just, I love, Papa John loves you. And if that means a little headlock and a little, eh, Quit. Okay, let me me go on. Since since you like that one so much, let me go on. (laughs) What has been our perspective and attitude facing political challenges that we've had over the last two years? Faith or fear or faith? You you remember five years ago when Trump got elected? Some of you were like, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Cannot believe that he got elected. Now that Biden's elected somebody, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Listen, let let me ask you a question. Was Trump ever in control? Was Biden ever in control? Is he in control? Was Barack Obama, was Bush, was Clinton, was Bush, was Reagan? I know all of them. So if you want me to go on, I can go on. What has been our attitude? What has been our response? How do we see the world in that realm? And I'm just here to say, I'm hoping that you'll trust me enough to know that I know that politics are important. I am not saying that it's not important. I have friends 
I uh, hope you guys are watching uh, a friend from high school that they're very involved in, in politics, not wrong to be involved in politics. Not wrong at all. As the people of God, though, we have a responsibility to walk in a spirit of love and a spirit of grace and a spirit of faith that is when people look at us, they want what we have. They want the Jesus that we're serving. They don't want, I don't want them looking at us going, no, thank you. You guys are wacko. Does it make sense? How have we, how have we responded to the challenges politically? God's in control, guys. He works everything for our good. And there may be plans that you and I want, but He has other plans. Who are we going to trust? Me or Him? Does that make sense? Us or Him? We've got to move past the temporary and the sideways energy that it takes us all. And it's fun sometimes, you know what I'm saying? It's fun, and I get into it too. Just because I say these things doesn't mean I don't care. And it doesn't mean that I don't have an opinion. You want, to, you want my opinion? I'll give you my opinion. Have lunch with me, and I'll give you my opinion. I'm kidding. Don't have lunch with me. I can't do that. I have opinions. I have concerns, legitimate concerns. But my opinions and concerns will take second place to the influence that I believe God wants me to have. And if I think he wants me to have influence, I know he wants you to have influence. And us as a church, he wants us to have influence. So our mission is greater than our opinion. It is. Okay, let me ask you this. What has been our perspective and attitude in world events? Fear or faith? I could go on. What is our perspective in, in the challenges that we're facing right now? Maybe you're, you're, you're facing relational challenges. Uh, you're facing financial challenges. You're facing physical challenges, like body, like you're sick or you know, something going on. How do we respond to those challenges in a spirit of fear or of faith? Listen, is God in control or not? Answer the question. Do we trust God or not? Is he bigger than our challenge or not? Is he bigger than the election or not? Is he bigger than COVID or not? Is he bigger than world events or not? Is he bigger than your challenge or not? See, in the face of challenge, in the face of fear, in the face of trial, in the face of tragedy, in the face of persecution even, in the face of death, I will fear no evil. So, as, as believers, yeah, 10% of you agree with me, and that's okay, that's okay, that's all right. As believers, this is where we have to be. We're not going to fear death. We're not going to perse- fear persecution. doesn't mean I want it. Does it make sense? It doesn't mean I just want come and get me. Right? I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to die. But I'm not going to let those things, I'm not going to let those things control me, hopefully. I I want to fear no evil. Does that make sense? I believe as the people of God, of all the people on the planet, of all the people on the planet who do not worry, who do not get sideways, energy and, and get sidetracked with mission. 
It should be the people of God. We should be walking in peace. We should be walking in faith. We should be walking in confidence. We should be walking in love. We should be walking in kindness, the fruit of the Spirit, by the way. We should be walking in those things because those, when they see us, they want Him. When we walk in those ways, when they see us, they want Him. When we walk in disunity, when we walk in division, when we walk in anger, when we walk in frustration, when we walk in all those kinds of things, they see us, they don't want him. And that's exactly, listen, these people miss the cut. Not because they were bad people in the, in the sense of no ability, they, they, uh, they were just dumb. No, they, they just didn't have a great perspective and they had a terrible attitude. We've seen that all the way through this thing. They've had a terrible attitude the whole time. And all I'm trying to say is let's not criticize them. Let's learn from them. How many still love me? Number one. How many still, so let's, let's make it more than 10%. Okay, good. Now, stay with me. Number two, number two. And this is, this is so important. Will, you, will we enter our land of God's purpose or die in our own wilderness? This is going to make sense when we read the passage. Let's go to the next chapter, chapter 14 of Numbers. Here we go. Then the whole, so, so here's what happened. Uh, spies go out. Ten come back saying, no way, no how. They spread the rumor. They spread, like, no way, don't be, don't be for this. Caleb and Joshua, we should stone. Actually, we're not going to read that, but actually they want to stone Caleb and Joshua for their faith, for saying that, hey, this is a, we, God is with us, okay? They want to stone them. So the people come back, or the, the, the message comes back, and they are like, oh my goodness. The whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? How many times have you heard that? That they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Let's skip to verse 20. Then the Lord said, I will part. Now, so, so Moses and the Lord are talking. These people are complaining. They're crying all night. They're going, why did you bring us out here? This is ridiculous. We're going to die. We should have stayed in Egypt. The Lord comes to Moses and says, I'm going to kill them. Seriously. He's like, uh-uh. These, these people are driving me insane. And, and Moses says, no, 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 no. Please, just have mercy. Let's, let's, let's wait. Let's pardon them. Please pardon them. So here's what the Lord says. Then the Lord says, okay, I'm going to pardon them as you have requested. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. And that, my friends, right here, is missing the cut. Unnecessarily. So before I move on, just keep it right there, Andrew. I, I don't want you to look at the promised land as heaven. Many times, in, in, in theological terms, uh, there are types and shadows in the Old Testament of the New, of, of the New Testament. There are types, we call them types and shadows. The promised land is not a type of heaven. 
Many of us have been taught that. Many of us have thought that a promised land is heaven. It represents heaven. No, Moses didn't get into the promised land, but how many know Moses is in heaven? Okay, the scripture tells us that. So I know that the promised land does not, is not a picture of heaven. However, I want you to look at it this way. The promised land is a picture of our purpose. See, their purpose, starting back with Abraham, was I'm going to make you a great nation and the people of the earth will be blessed because of you. When they look at you, they're going to want me. The promised land represented the purpose that God had for them. The promised land that I'm saying to us is our purpose, the God-ordained purpose for our lives. And many of us are missing the cut right now. Now, how many thank God we're not in, we don't live in the Old Testament? Okay? We don't live in the Old Testament, so God's not going to kill us. Right? He's going he's to say, hey, I've got better things for you. I've got better things for you. Don't do that. Don't live in fear. Don't live in that stuff. I want you to walk in faith. But here's what happened to them. They missed the cut because of their perspective and their attitude. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. Terrible story. Terrible story. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me, every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. So the registration was those who, who exited uh, Egypt. And we're moving into the, so everyone 20 years and above, we're gonna, they're going to die, not right then, they're going to die in the wilderness. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Verse 34, because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They have just, just begun this journey. You will now wander in the wilderness for 40 years, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy. This is how important this is. Now again, glad we don't live in the Old Testament. Okay? However, many of us are walking in the wilderness because of our perspective and our attitude. Never, we're never going to see our purpose unless we repent of those things and say, God, I want to be the light of the world. I want to be who you're calling me to be. I want to walk in faith, and I want to walk in peace, and I want to walk in love, and I want when people see me, I want them to want you. I'm not going to put my trust in chariots, and I'm not going to put my trust in horses. I'm not going to put my trust in government, and I'm not going to put my trust in anything else but you. 
And when we do that, we begin to live in our purpose. And our purpose, just like the children of Israel, when people see us, they want Him. And many of us, if we were honest with ourselves, including me sometimes, my attitude, my perspective, and I'm just like you, I can walk in fear, I can get angry, I can go, but that's not what God's called us to do. That's not how He's called us to live. He's called us to walk in faith. He's called us to walk in, 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 in the things that will reveal our purpose rather than distract our purpose. Let me put it on the screen like this. When our perspective and attitude is based in fear and complaints, we miss our purpose sometimes our whole lives. I'm not, tell, I'm not saying you're missing heaven. I'm not saying God doesn't love you and you don't love God. I'm just saying there are many times that many of us right now have been wandering for years Sin after sin after sin, rebellion after rebellion after rebellion. And, and it's not that we're bad people. It's just that we, we don't put Him first. We, we just don't, we're not fully committed to Him. We're not fully committed to the Lord and, and saying, God, I want, to, I want to take up my cross daily, put aside my selfish ambition, and I want to follow You. Many of us are wandering in the wilderness of sin, in the wilderness of sideways energy, in the wilderness of distraction, when He's called us to purpose, when He's called us to when they see you, they want me. And I think that it's time for us to repent. I think it's time for us to get serious with God. Not because the world is coming to an end necessarily. I don't know. Is Jesus coming? I don't know. I know He is. I don't know when. I get many emails about uh, the Lord. Man, you better preach the Lord is coming. The Lord has been coming for 2,000 years. You know what I'm saying? I mean, He's coming. No question. I don't know when. But just because the world events are like scary doesn't mean like, oh, you better get right now because He's getting ready to come tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe He does. I hope He does. But what if He doesn't? How are we going to live? Make sense what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm not trying to get emails. I, I, I just feel like as the people of God, this is way more important than what is going on in our country, way more important than what's going on in our world, is because we have been called to be the light of the world, to be salt to this earth. And I think some of us have been wandering in the wilderness. And so if you're here today and, and you're not a follower of Jesus and because maybe it's because you've seen Christians and you're like, I don't want any of that. Maybe because you've seen Christians on TV and you're like, I don't want any of that. Can I just first tell you that we as Christians are not perfect and we're going to mess up. We're not going to always walk in love. We're not going to always say the right things. We're not always going to do the right things. I just tell you right now. But don't let, don't let what I do or what anybody else does distract you from who He is. Because He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always full of love and grace for us. So if you're here today and you've never accepted the invitation of God to accept what Jesus did on the cross and through His resurrection, today's your day. I hope it is.
And I hope that you make that decision to walk in faith in what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection. At the end of this, as I'm going to give you about 30 or 40 seconds to pray on your own, during that time, if, you're, if you've never followed Jesus, I want you to step into that and say, God, I've not followed you because I've been disillusioned by this or that, but today, I want to be who you want me to be. I want to walk in my purpose. I want to quit making excuses of, as to why I'm not following you. And I want to surrender. I want to give you my life today. That's your prayer today. Now, if you're a believer today, I'm hoping that you don't get mad at me. I'm hoping that if you do, I mean, I love you anyway. But I'm hoping that you're just going to say to the Lord, God, is there something in me that's walking in fear and not in faith? Is there something in me that is, I'm, I'm buying into the distraction? Because I want, to, I want to walk in my purpose, not in the wilderness. So guys, let's not miss the cut. Let's not miss our purpose. Father, your word is, is uh, I mean, it like jumps off the page sometimes, and it's like a sword, two-edged sword that cuts between what we want and what you want. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's like, ooh, and, it's, and I'm talking about me. I need to hear this. So Lord, may you do the work in our hearts as believers to, to be the, the people that you've called us to be so that when people look at us, they want you, not the other way around. And many of us that have not yet surrendered our lives to you, may today be the day that we stop making excuses and that we surrender to your purpose for our lives. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our hearts, in our lives, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.